I am going to begin this morning a series of sermons entitled Mythbusters, Exploring the Truth. Mythbusters. We'll for several weeks explore one different truth after another, but beginning today, we're going to talk about this one. It's a bold claim that Jesus makes. One verse, chapter 14. Jesus said to him, everybody read it from the screen out loud. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's do it again on the count of three. One, two, three. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Point your hands in my direction. Let's ask God to anoint us all the way. Oh God, what powerful singing. Hallelujah. How we have a taste of heaven in this sanctuary today. The rich anointing in the first service is replenishing us in this second service. I pray, oh God, for everybody. Now, I know I bring the word today, God, but I'm not the only one here needing an anointing. I pray for impartation. I pray for attentive ears, an understanding mind, a submissive will. I pray, oh God, that there would be no distractions or distractions in our minds or otherwise. But I pray, oh God, as you lay out the wealth and resources of your word, that it would find a place not just in our hearing, but in our doing. Change us from faith to faith. That is greater faith in God. And from glory to glory, that we might change others in Jesus' name. And amen. And thank you for being seated in the presence of the Lord. Wow, I am going with Jesus all the way. Just an observation to you before I get into the Word. Tomorrow evening, including this evening and, and through Wednesday, will be our Youth Irrigate Revival. It'll be powerful, and you'll be praying for that. And I trust you'll involve your youth in what I believe will be a glorious time of their commitment, knowledge, growth in the Lord. To the ladies who are in the Bible study, your study will meet right here in the sanctuary. At the same time, 7 o'clock, we'll reconfigure what we need to hear so that you can be ministered to by way of that powerful study. And to the men who pray with us on Monday night, and that's to any man who would like to come at 7, we'll meet in our same place to continue the ministry of prayer. Truth really does matter. As I look at the life of Jesus, I think that there are some people who have come to categorize Jesus, and perhaps they may have, like at times, selected one of two categories. Controversial Jesus and non-controversial Jesus. Jesus bold, Jesus meek. Jesus with the whip, overturning the tables of merchandise at the temple when those in charge of the temple and those who came to worship there made it a place of commerce instead of a house of prayer. And then Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Well, I understand that we need ways to appreciate the ministry of Jesus. And yet I also understand that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus often surprised people with teachings that cut across the grain of human nature. He said things like, in order to save your life, you have to lose it. He said something like, the first will be last. The last will be first. Doesn't seem fair, but he said it. He says, the meek shall inherit the earth. He says, rejoice. In persecution. Well, who wants to do that? And then he goes on to say, uh, pray for your enemies. Well, I want to pray for them, but it ain't what he said. I mean, no, he, when he said pray for enemies, he didn't mean for you to say, kill them, Lord. <laughs> he didn't mean that. It can cut across the grain, can it? He says something like, it's better to give than to receive. Huh? 
And then he says, turn the other cheek. That squelches the spirit of slap very quickly, doesn't it? But by far the most outrageous assertion Jesus ever made, his most politically incorrect claim of all, was when he declared what you see on the screen and what's in your Bible in John 14 and 6, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This, brother and sister, this claim rubs against the grain of some people like no other words Jesus ever said. This claim has been called arrogant, narrow-minded, bigoted, and snobbish. And there are folks who are seekers, some may be here this morning, seekers of the right path. Folks who are doing a study in comparative world religions. When they hear a statement like this, it kind of causes something inside of them to recoil. And it may even, if they left it, it may even be a sort of a stumbling block to their faith. But I believe that Jesus was telling the truth when he said it, because he always told the truth. And I believe that it was not out of arrogance that he said it, but out of great compassion. And I am quite convinced when I study this passage and the life of Jesus and his teaching, I'm quite convinced when we look closer at this statement that it really makes ultimate sense. In fact, church, this single sentence is one of the most critically important bits of information anywhere on planet earth. This single statement is perhaps the most important sentence written in any book Anywhere, and especially to all of us personally. And I'll, I'll explain as I go. But the introductory question this morning is, why is the claim so controversial? And one of the reasons is that it strikes at the very core of three great myths about religion. And so in examining this statement by Jesus this morning, I thought it would be a good idea for us to address at least three common misconceptions. Maybe these are myths that you have learned, or maybe these are myths that you believe right now. So without delay, let me give you myth number one. All religions are basically the same. You've probably heard people say regarding various world religions, they say something like this, if you strip them all down to their bare essentials, all religions fundamentally teach the same thing. So they're saying it doesn't really matter which one you follow. In other words, you hear people say, and, and maybe you've said it, said all spiritual paths lead up the same mountain because all religions basically teach the brotherhood and sisterhood of men and women and the universal fatherhood of God. So that all religions are basically the same. They would say, after the attack on 9-11, 2001, the then mayor of New York City, Mayor Rudy Giuliani, spoke before the United Nations. In his address to the United Nations, Mayor Giuliani mentioned that on a typical weekend... He will visit an Islamic mosque on Friday and a Christian church on Sunday. Then he went further to comment that both groups worship the same God, but in different ways. Is he right? Do we worship the same God in different ways? I guess what I'm trying to ask is this. Is Jesus the only way, as he claims, or is there more than one way? Some time ago, I heard a teaching on the radio by Pastor Dr. Michael Youssef. I, I brought his book to the pulpit with me, and I ordered this book. It's called The Greatest Lie, because his teaching was so wise and so rich. And, and he's responding to this claim of Jesus that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And Dr. Michael Youssef says in this book that the greatest lie is that we might be persuaded to believe or believe that there are other paths to God other than Jesus or along with Jesus. And so in his introductory chapter, 
that's titled The Beginning of It All. Matter of fact, that, no, it's the, the introductory chapter says, You Decide for Yourself. Dr. Youssef begins by saying that in 1994, television talk show host Oprah Winfrey interviewed a woman who claimed to have had a near-death experience. The woman went into some detail explaining how she died and then was brought back to life. And during the time that she was dead, Jesus supposedly told her that all religions are equally true. After hearing the woman's story, Oprah said to her, I believe that there are many paths to God or many paths to light. I certainly don't believe that there is only one way. Did Jesus indicate that to you? The woman replied, Yes, absolutely. Well, Oprah said, I'm glad to hear that because if Jesus is as cool as I think he is, he would have had to tell you that. Cool Jesus? Really? Which Jesus is that? The one this woman hallucinated about or the real Jesus who said exactly the opposite during his entire earthly life? Listen to what Jesus really said in John 14 and 6. He told his disciples, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus makes it clear that he is the only way to heaven. And though many people chose to believe the greatest lie, that there are many ways and paths to light, Jesus said there is no other path to God except through himself, period. Now, I tell you this because it is no minor matter. Your and my entire future, the remainder of your and my life on this earth, ever how long we live, and our life after we die in eternity, depends on how we respond to this statement made by the real Jesus, not the cool Jesus. There are many who want, to, who want you to believe that there are many paths to God, but Jesus said, He is the way, He is the truth. He is the life, and He wants you to know the danger of believing the greatest lie. Jesus' message runs counter to what you continually hear on the television and radio, in books and magazines and conversations with unsaved friends and family members. You and I all the time are being bombarded on a daily basis with such messages like all religions are essentially the same. Or Jesus, Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad, all of these teach the same thing. Do not be misled. I want you to know the truth and you make up your own mind. Jesus said to his followers in John's gospel, chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Back to the question. Does it truly matter which path you take. I mean, if you are sincere in your belief, isn't that enough? I don't think so. If Jesus truly is the way, the truth, and the life, but you choose a different path than Jesus, then you will arrive at the wrong destination. Being sincere won't help you, even if, and especially you're sincerely wrong. So, so I hasten to address this myth. All religions are basically the same. And I'm just going to do a little teaching here, okay? There is some common ground between many of the world religions, particularly concerning basic values and morality. There are some good virtues taught by many religions, but there are significant differences also. In fact, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, with this one outlandish assertion that Jesus makes, he boldly puts Christianity in a separate class by itself. If the path to God through Jesus is through Jesus, 
then Christianity cannot be reconciled with any other religion in the world. Please, if you take notes, remember this. This unique characteristic of Christianity, that Jesus is the way to God, is unique in Jesus himself. What makes Christianity unique in this statement stand out is because of Jesus' own uniqueness and His difference from all the other would-be religious leaders and so-called messiahs. Someone once noted that other religious leaders say something like this. They say, follow me and I'll show you how to find truth. But Jesus says, I am the truth. Other religious leaders say, follow me and I'll show you the way to salvation. But Jesus says, I am the way to eternal life. Other religious leaders say, follow me and I'll show you how to become enlightened. But Jesus says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you shall not live in darkness. Other religious leaders say, follow me and I'll show you many doors that lead to God. But Jesus said, and I like what he says in John 10 and 1. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Please hear me. Jesus said in verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will what? He will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus is saying that in order to get into the kingdom, the sheepfold is known as the kingdom. We are called the sheep of God. Can I get another witness? He is called the good shepherd. He says the only way to get into the sheepfold, the kingdom and heaven, is coming through the door. And He is the only door. There is a difference in religions. For a long time, people have tried to harmonize various religions of the world. But there are drastic and irreconcilable differences between Christianity and other belief systems in the world. I like what Lee Strobel says in his writing on this verse, that he does it so well. Lee Strobel is a, is a Christian apologetic that does not mean that he apologized for being a Christian. The word apologetic is used that he is a, one who defends Christianity. He writes to defend Christianity. And he says, in every other religion that he's seen or study, other religions of the world are based on people doing something through struggling and striving to somehow earn favor with God. Have you noticed? Have you studied? Some religions say you have to have certain kinds of prayer wheel and use that or prayer articles to earn favor with God. Other religions says you have to make certain pilgrimages to certain holy sites of their religion in order to earn favor with God. Oh, help me here, Jesus. Other you know... It's hard to reconcile when you think other religions say you have to give alms to the poor in order to find favor with God. Nothing wrong with giving alms to the poor. Christianity teaches that, but it doesn't teach it as a basis for being saved. Other religions say that you have to eat certain foods or abstain from other kinds of foods in order to find favor with God. There are religions that say you have to pray in specific ways, facing particular directions at certain frequency of the day in order to find favor with God. Other religions say that you have to go through a series of reincarnations over many lifetimes, and, and if you do it right, you'll end up being like God eventually. 
I don't mean to be unkind, but all of those are expressions of man trying to reach God. But Christianity is the opposite of that. Christianity is Jesus Christ as God reaching out to us. Because when we could not get to where He is, He took on the form of man and came down to be like us so that we could find Him. Somebody praise Him for that. What's the difference? You see, there are those who say that you've got to do certain things. You've got to work to get to heaven. And Jesus says, you can't work your way into heaven. Quit trying to come here by works. Jesus said, we are all guilty of wrongdoings. I don't know about your life, or maybe I do. All of us have at one time sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us is perfect. If you're married, ask your spouse, but not right now. We've all failed God. Jesus says... That our sins, our wrongdoings, separate us from God. Haven't you felt apart from God at times in your life's journey, even after you were saved and the devil lied to you? Like he lied to Adam and Eve in the garden with the big lie of if you, uh, if you disobey God, that's another sermon. You remember Adam and Eve? God says, eat of all the trees in the garden. There are multiple trees of, of vegetation and fruit and you'll be prosperous. But if you eat a, the one tree in the garden that I forbid you to eat of, you shall die. In the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. It doesn't mean instant death. It means progressive death. And, you'll, and they did. They, they all disobeyed God. Because sin separates us from God. And so here's a, here's a beautiful thing. And I just want to remind you, because God is a righteous judge... Our sins has to be paid for. And we can't pay for it because we are sinners. We, ain't, we got nothing good merits that we can come and say, God, save me. The only thing that would satisfy the righteousness of God is sinlessness. No sin. And since Jesus was the only one without sin, He voluntarily offered up Himself to become our substitute and pay the penalty we owed for our sin. The, uh, oh, uh, I'm trying, I don't want to be controversial. Let me see if I can say it this way. If one of your child, if you have more than one child, break the family rules repeatedly or whatever, you don't go, if you're a good parent, and punish another child who didn't have a clue for what Johnny needed punishing, but you like Johnny and you don't like Jimmy. Okay. When I sin and you sin, we are responsible to suffer the consequences for our own disobedience. And we were supposed to die as a penalty for our sins. But Jesus said, I will be the substitute. I will die in Alan's place so that he don't have to die. And whosoever, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, Alan, and whatever your name is, Phil, and whatever your name is, Furman, whosoever believeth in me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. If you are a recipient of that salvation, give the Lord some thanks. I'm trying to move on here now. You see, all religions are not the same. Other religions of the world, other than Christianity, can be spelled D-O, do. Because you always got to be doing some work of the flesh, some, uh, some kind of other something in order for God to like you. You know, in the Islamic faith, in some arenas of their faith, there's a teaching that for men, in order for them to have eternal bliss 
and have their own personal harem of 70 virgins, they must be willing to kill those who are against Islam, especially Jews and Christians. And one of the reasons why we had, the primary reasons why we had the terrorist attack on 9-11-2001 is because radical extremist Muslims, in order to appease Allah, they were crying out, Allah Akbar, while the planes impacted their target. I have to ask myself a question. What kind of God will ask you or I to kill our fellow human beings in order for us to get blessed. Here's the irony of that teaching of Islam. The irony is in this earth and flesh, men are told to resist wine, women, and song. But then the irony is that they kill and please Allah and they go up to their heaven, wherever that is, and get wine, women, and song. Da. Somebody asked me outside the door after I preached this first service, and Pastor, have you ever asked yourself, what did those 70 virgins do to deserve that kind of punishment in eternity? I got daughters. I wouldn't want them to be one of them. It's good preaching, little man. Yes, thank you. Not all religions are the same. Other religions can be spelled D-O, but Christianity can be spelled D-O-N-E. Jesus did it all. Calvary said, done, finished, it's over. Jesus paid the price. You don't have to earn it, buy it, inherit it, pay for it. All of it is done at the cross. Somebody give the Lord some praise here. Brian, give me this microphone. Uh, ma, 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 ma. Let me, let me tell you, if there was another way, why would Jesus then go to the cross? It would be illogical for Jesus to offer himself in a bloody, horrendous, torturific death of Calvary. When you study crucifixion, you, no wonder Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane prayed to the Father before he went to the cross and said, If it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Surely salvation can be wrought before be, and me not have to go to the cross and be bludgeoned and beaten and die shamefully and take on the sins of this world. Isn't there another way, Father? And the Father didn't even respond because there was not another way. Except through Jesus. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that Mel Gibson could make a movie. Anybody hearing me? There is no other way. And I got to tell you, there are fundamental differences between Christianity and other world religions. Christianity says there's one eternal God who created the universe. Hinduism says everything is God. God is everywhere. God is the wood. God is the tree. God is the cow. God is the moon. God is the star. Another tenet of Islam is that Jesus is not the Son of God and He didn't die for the sins of the world. And then you have Buddha. Buddha didn't even believe in God. And then you have the offshoots of Christianity that though they may be mellow and not as drastic as Islam, they're still wrong. They're different. You have the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The Mormons. You have Jehovah's Witness. They're not, they're no, I'm not comparing them with Islam and terrorists and don't send me no email because I'll hit the delete button. <laughs> I'm not saying that, that there probably isn't another institution or organization in America that's more pro-family than the Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints. But they don't acknowledge Jesus Christ as God. And the Savior of the world. They got their stuff from Joseph Smith. Jehovah's Witness. They don't, they don't, they don't take the Word of God and the canon of Scripture as, as Christianity does. And they don't, see, they don't see hell as being real and literal. And I know we all kind of, why don't we just all get along? Well, I believe that we ought to be tolerant. I believe that the Bible teaches to be tolerant and kind and wise. And I'll touch on that in just a minute. 
But I'm here to tell you that not all religions are the same. And while other religious leaders in the world can offer you some nice counsel and wise advice, helpful insight, listen to this. Only Jesus Christ, because He is the perfect Son of God, is qualified to offer Himself as payment for our wrongdoing. No other religious leader in the world has ever pretended that they're so righteous and holy that they can become the substitute for our sins. Only Jesus. I'm hastening here. You gotta ask yourself, isn't it illogical to think that God would come to this side of the world and say to us, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then he'll go to another part of the world and say, This is how you get through me to me. And he'll tell them something completely opposite of what he told us. You gotta go to Mecca, you gotta go to Medina, you gotta you gotta Go to, you got to beat your body, cut your flesh, sacrifice your children. It's completely illogical to think that God might be schizophrenic. Be careful that you don't take your attributes, I'm saying you are, but, uh, uh, and put it on God. Be careful that you take God's attributes and put it on you. What kind of crazy God is that? No, he said, there's one path and one way. It's through my son, Jesus. And I'm going to make it really simple, he said. Jesus Christ has become your sacrifice for your sin and paid the price for salvation. And all you have to do is believe in him, confess your sins, repent on it, and be born again, and you shall have life. I, I guess what I'm trying to tell you, it does really matter what you believe. Truth really does matter. And it does matter which path you follow in your spiritual journey. Because every path doesn't lead to the same God. Let me hasten here. Myth number two. There are those who say even if there are differences in religion, all religions have equal claims to the truth. In other words, there may be differences in Christianity from other religions in the world. But you have your truth, and I have my truth. And that really sounds good in our politically correct climate of American culture, and even world culture. It's appealing, because what we have is a pluralistic society. A diverse amount of ethnicity, nationalities... And beliefs. And we do want to be tolerant of other people's view. Don't we, church? I'm not setting you up. The Bible teaches us we should be loving and accepting and respectable to all people, regardless of their faith. I'll only do one more point, so let me just tell you what it is right now, because I don't get to it. The third myth I want to speak about in just a moment, but I'll come to this right now. The third myth is that Christians are narrow-minded or snobbish. When they say that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Okay? So I'll get to it in a minute, but I want you to know it because it ties right into this. Christians are narrow-minded, snobbish when they say Jesus is the only way to heaven. Jesus taught tolerance. Here's the thing. Under our United States of America Constitution, all religious viewpoints are equally protected. Can I get an Amen. Freedom of religion in America. People in America can believe whatever they want to believe. Am I right? But some people jump to the erroneous conclusion that because different philosophies are equally protected, they must be equally valid. And that's just not the case. Even though all religions are equally protected by the Constitution... That has nothing to do with whether they are based on truth. Uh, I may get to this in another sermon. Here's another myth that we might need to deal with. The myth is whatever is legal is moral. Pornography 
is legal and protected by the government under the right of trash. <laughs> Abortion is protected by the government of America. It's legal, but it doesn't make it moral. I'm teaching you here a little bit, okay? Homosexuality and same-sex marriage is protected in five of the 50 states of these United States. And blatant homosexuals who want to who flaunt it doesn't mind doing it. And because it may be constitutionally permitted in five states in America and be legal doesn't make it moral. And I'm saying to you that I realize that other religions can make the same claim that Jesus made. They can say as Jesus did. We are the way. We are the truth. We are the life. No one comes to God except through us. I could say I am the way. You can say you are the way. You are the truth and the life. But that doesn't make it true. <laughs> the question is, how do we know Jesus was telling the truth? Well, I don't have the time to give you all the answers, but I will give you a few. Number one is that Jesus is the fulfillment of hundreds of biblical prophecies that no other human being in this world before him or after him has met the qualifications of fulfilling than Jesus. Can somebody say amen? Read the Old Testament. Read the prophets hundreds of years before he was born as a baby and he was cradled in a manger in Bethlehem. Mary, his mother, and Joseph, his earthly father. Long before that time arrived, there were prophecies untold and hundreds like a thumbprint or a blueprint that announced the coming Messiah. And he fulfilled every one of them like nobody else could. How do I know that He is the way, the truth, and the life? I will venture to tell you that Jesus performed the miracles and signs and wonders in His ministry like no other so-called Messiah or religious leader attempted or could. Can anybody hear me? I'm talking about Jesus, the Jesus who calmed the raging sea in the middle of the storm. I'm talking about Jesus who raised the widow's son and stopped the funeral procession and sent him home well. I'm talking about Jesus who took five loaves and three fishes and prayed over them and fed 5,000 and had 12 baskets left over. I'm talking about Jesus who went to a tomb where a man was dead four days and his body began to decompose. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Jesus went home and ate with, ate with him. I'm talking about nobody else has ever done the miracles and the signs and the wonders like Jesus. His credentials are credible. Somebody say amen. How do I know? Because he has the credentials. How do I know that he is the... Oh, mama. Oh, mama. Help me, Holy Ghost. Mm-mm-mm. Jesus fulfilled his own prophecy on the third day. I will rise again. Somebody help me here. He said you could put this body in the ground, but I'll raise up this temple on the third day. Can, oh, some of you who have been saved for a while, you ain't excited like you used to be. But I'll go ahead and travel with those who are. Some of you are thinking about Golden Corral or, or Charlie's. Don't worry, they'll wait for you. But I'm telling you this truth about who Jesus is. He arose on the third day and he took the keys of death and hell and the grave. He became the first fruits of resurrection. And everybody who dies in the faith will rise up one day with a glorified immortal body. Because only Jesus conquered death. And because he lives, you shall live also. Clap your hands and praise the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> he appeared to 500 people at one time after the resurrection. 
I'm going to be like Floyd's. I'm going to need me some orange juice. My God, help this church. There's a lot of voices out there. And there's a lot of people you want to impress and like. May get you a raise, a promotion. May get you a date or something. But you don't risk your soul with any other way. Can, I, can somebody say amen? I, I'm trying to tell you that this Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 500 people saw him at one time, resurrected. Thomas, who doubted, like you and I. We don't need to beat up on Thomas. We might have been just like Thomas, because he wasn't there in the room when Jesus first appeared to the other disciples and showed himself after resurrection. Thomas was someplace else. When he came in, the other guy said, Jesus just left here, he's risen. Thomas said, unless I see the scar in his side where the spear went up and, and took his, his, his blood and his, his water, unless I see the nail prints in his hand and feet, and put my fingers in it I will not believe he's alive and Jesus showed up just for Thomas take your hand and put it in my scar if you think I'm just a ghost give me a piece of your dinner give me some of your fish and bread I'll eat it just like you and Thomas said my Lord and my God (laughs) oh yeah yeah thank you Jesus I'm telling you he's got the credentials you don't want to go nobody. You just, you know what? I, if I got to go under the knife and have surgery, I don't want you telling me about no surgery you never had. Okay? Pastor, it's going to be okay. They're going to cut and open up about six inches here. Go after your heart. They're going to put it on the machine. Let it beat a while. I ain't never had that surgery, but that's what I heard. I ain't want to hear from you. I like you. Find me somebody who went under the knife and came through. And they got a testimony. They got credentials. Now, God help me here, Jesus. Last point. Christians are, myth number three, are narrow-minded snobbish when they say Jesus is the only way. <laughs> you know, let me, let me give you a little illustration here. You answer this back out loud, okay? What is the sum? What is the total of two plus two? Four. Yeah, yeah, four. Who says? What if I told you two plus two equals five? Would you insist the answer is four? Well, I, I think you would. But you got your truth and I got my truth. Aren't you a little bit bigoted and intolerant of me? If I want two plus two to be a thousand, it's my business. Aren't you rather narrow-minded? I'm telling you Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life because he proved it. You're telling me 2 plus 2 equals 4 because that's a fact. And I'm telling you it's a fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Conquered death, hell, and the grave. Died on the cross for us. It's coming back again one day. It's a fact that Jesus Christ has gone to prepare us a place. And at the sound of the trumpet, we are going to rise up and be caught up to heaven. Yeah. Yeah, you, you try out. You, you go to the IRS and tell them, well, you know, pastor said two plus two don't really have to be four. And that's why my taxes are so low because I decided two plus two equals zero. You'll find out how tolerant the IRS really is. Well, God, stand before God one day and say, and God says, sorry, I never knew you. But God, I went to church. I laugh when the preacher said jokes. I laugh when he didn't. I, I give some offering. I serve in I, I, You know, I believed all that stuff, God. But I, I knew the Buddha had a little truth. And I know that Nirvana was a certain state that I needed to get to. And I know that, uh, I know that Lord, there's just a new age, this and that. And I, I found truth everywhere. And Jesus says, sorry, I never knew you. Because only I am the way, the truth. And the life. Let me, let me see if I can put it this way. I'd agree that Christians would be acting in a narrow-minded way if there really were other paths to God and we were just saying we're the best. But we're not saying that. What we are saying is that somebody's got to pay the penalty for our obvious sins that keep us from God. And Jesus, listen, Jesus by virtue of his credentials, sinless Jesus, divine God in the flesh Jesus is the only one of all of God's 
available substitute. There was none other substitute, only Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh, sinless and divine, paid the penalty for our sins. And because he was qualified to be our substitute, we now receive the fact of his gift. And it's not narrow-minded. It is the way. I'll see if I can. I'll see if I can wrap it up with this. When our oldest daughter Jennifer was born, she had some degree of this thing known as jaundice. Parents recognize that jaundice occurs in a child, infant, baby, on occasions. Because the liver may not be fully awakened or fully developed or otherwise. Jaundice turns the skin yellow. It turns the eyes yellow, the white. Jaundice, if not attended to appropriately, can be very devastating for a child. And the doctor says, although it's devastating, we have a cure. And the way that it is cured is we have a certain light, special lights, that we'll put over the cradle, the, the nursery, the whatever place the child, infant, baby, may be resting. And at certain times we will let the light give it's illumination, it will stimulate the liver, and the baby will be all right. That's the way to heal it. Now, now think about parents now, and they, they could say something like this. Doctor, how about instead if we just scrub, let's say she's a girl, the baby's a girl. So why don't we just scrub her with soap and dip her in bleach? <laughs> if we work hard enough doing that, doctor, I'm sure we can get a normal color back. You laugh because it's silly. Uh, the doctor would say, no, that's not the way to handle it. Then we could reply and say, well, how about if we just sort of ignore this and pretend everything's okay? You know, Pastor Allen, he's zealous. I like to hear him. He's sometimes, you know, he's just, I like, but he means well, but I'm, I'm a little bit above that. So I don't have to listen to this. The only way stuff. How about we, how about we just ignore this doctor, this, this jaundice and... Uh, everything will be okay because, you know, doctor, you have your truth. And we have our truth as parents. And our truth says, it's okay. Uh, well, what about this, doctor? What if, we, what if we sincerely believe that our little girl will be okay? We won't do nothing. We just sincerely believe. The doctor says, come with me. Come with me, he says. They leave the place of the nursery and he takes them to his room where he doesn't examine patients, but it's his own inner office. And on the back wall of his desk, he says, that's the school I went to for my undergraduate degree in being a pediatrician. That's the school I went to for my graduate degree. I spent four years there in graduate work becoming a skilled pediatrician. That's, that award over there is a school I went to. And physicians who are in the house here and in the first service, you, you know what I'm talking about. That's the school I went to. When I did my internship, I spent five years. I, I've spent over a hundred and, and some thousand, more, a hundred fifty, two hundred thousand, just getting my education and then my practice. I have delivered, he says, look, I have delivered countless little babies who will come into this world with jaundice. And we treat them under the light and they are perfectly well. There are my credentials. Trust me. What is pastor saying? I am saying that we all have a terminal illness called sin. And the reason we cling to the great physician is because he alone has the cure. He alone is the way, the truth. You can't scrub the sin off. You can't ignore the sin. You, you can't be sincere about, well, I'm sincere. I never, I never commit adultery. I never do fornication. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't cuss. Don't, don't, don't. I, I'm just a sincere person. Sincere. 
You know, it's, it's like climbing a ladder, a career ladder or some goal, a vision ladder, climbing a ladder to the top, only to find that you end up, your ladder was leaning against the wrong wall when you get to the top. You finally get to the top, you find your ladder is leaning against the wall of the state penitentiary when you're really meant for it to be leaning against a wall of some blessing and business. And then it's too late. I'm telling you, I'm telling you that now we in this house, as I close, have a responsibility. You've heard the truth. Now we have a choice to make. Bow your heads, please. Those who are intercessors, you know who you are. Those who are altar workers, those who are prayer partners, and everybody else born again would ask God to help the pastor now for these next few seconds. I don't need to preach any longer, and I don't need to make a long, drawn-out altar call. Pastor Allen, I have chosen other paths. I have known of the way of the Lord, but now I've come to realize that the myth is just that. I need Christ as my Savior. Pastor, he was my Savior before, but I've kind of reasoned in my head that, that I can work out my own spirituality. And whenever you, whenever you try to work out your own salvation, your own spirituality without the Bible, without God, without Jesus, you're saying, I can do a better job with my soul in eternity than God can. And that's a dangerous and frightening place to be in. You don't have to be there. So this morning, it makes no difference to me whether you are white-skinned or brown-skinned like me. Or whether you have degrees or not. I honor you and bless you as God's creation. But the bottom line is we all need the truth. The truth matters. If you are not born again, you would like for me to pray in a closing prayer. Pastor, when you pray this prayer, pray for me. Raise your hands. If you've backslidden, you want to come back to God, hold it up. Yes, thank you. Hold it up high. Nobody is looking but me. Hold it up just a moment. I just want to, I want to make sure. Just keep it up until I tell you otherwise. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Put, put it down. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I will not let the devil steal anybody if I can help it. You didn't raise your hand just now and you know you needed to and God knows you do and God's calling you and you're saying, God, I don't want to wrestle with you. I want to win. You are the winner and I, you are the Savior. You didn't raise your hands, but I'm going to give you 10 seconds to raise it now. Raise it now in Jesus' name. Thank you. One, two. You didn't raise it earlier. Three, four, five, six, seven. Thank you. Hmm. Now, everybody look this way. Rise to your feet with me. I want every altar worker, those are the prayer team led by our prayer director, Brother Sammy. I want you to come and stand in the altar. I want everybody, including the pastor and especially the pastor, to pray the same prayer. These ladies and gentlemen coming your way, coming here, are going to tarry here until after we pray. Look at me and hear me now. I know what time it is, and, but I know, I know I can't risk eternity. For a moment of my own discomfort. I'd rather be uncomfortable for a few short moments. And be set for eternity after I pray. I won't be uncomfortable anymore. But for those who are coming, they will minister to you after we pray. And you will, you will come if you'd like after we pray. If you need healing, you'll come. They'll pray for you. If you need to tell them, I prayed the sinner's prayer. When pastor prayed, I want you to come and tell them after we prayed so they can encourage you. If you need a miracle for your marriage, if you need a miracle for your job, if you need a miracle for your teenager, if you need a miracle for your body, that same Jesus is available. Now look at me and hear me. We all, whether you raise your hands or not, can burn a little more fervently for Jesus. I'm talking to me now and to you. Anything that takes more of our time and our money and our attention than God is in the place of becoming an idol in our lives. There are people in this church, Christians I'm talking to now, you used to read the Bible more than you're doing it. You used to pray more. You used to serve in a ministry in the church more. You used to witness to Jesus. You used to care more, witness about Jesus. You used to care more about the lostness of your grandson or your granddaughter or somebody who's taken an alternate lifestyle. You used to be more passionate and the Lord is saying time is running out. Look at me and hear me everybody. Nobody in this house is getting any younger. Did you hear me? Everybody here is going to die one day 
if Jesus doesn't come in your lifetime. No, I don't know what window of time you have left, and I'm not using cheap psychology to get you to this altar. I'm telling you, it's appointed to everybody to die, and you want to be sure that you did in this life what it took to live eternally. And I'm going to pray for Christians this morning to get more fire, more passion, more zeal, and fall back in love with Him. If that would be you, just say amen. That's me. We're going to pray a sinner's prayer all together. Raise your hands to the Lord like this. Lift your hands to the Lord, everybody. Repeat after me. Oh, Lord, I come to you today thanking you for another chance. Lord Jesus, the Word of God says, If I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus, I shall be saved. Today, Jesus, I confess that you, you are the way, you're the truth, and the life. And that no one gets to the Father except through you. Today, Lord, I lay aside all my pretenses, all my self-righteousness, all my intellectual stuff. And I confess that I am helpless without you. Come, Lord Jesus. Wash away my sins. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, thank you for being my substitute. And I pray today, on this September 25, 2011, that you will cause me to be reconciled with you like never before. Lord Jesus, help me to be a light. Help me to be a voice. Help me to be a witness of your truth. In your name, Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now clap your hands and confess by your testimony of praise. Jesus, I'm saved. Oh, blessed be the Lord. Oh, blessed be the Lord. Now, the song they'll sing in a moment is Hosanna. And we'll close in just a minute. Hosanna means blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Now listen to me. The Holy Ghost won't let me cause you to leave until I have one more prayer. One more prayer. For the fire of God to burn in our hearts more passionately. I'm telling you, we're running out of time. We, 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 we know the stock market's not doing its best. We know the economy is slow. We know that people have lost jobs. All of that is important. But do not get distracted with the fact that all those things God can take care of because He's a good God and He'll take care of you. But our soul, our soul, our soul, we must decide and we must fan the fire of the Holy Ghost. So I want you to pray for each other's families and I want you to pray for each other's home and each other's obedience. Lay your hands on the shoulder of somebody beside you, either side. In one minute, less than 60 seconds now, pray for each other. Come on. Open up your mouth and love that person through prayer. Sing, my brother. Come on, come on, pray. Oh God, I believe you, Jesus. For marriages, for husbands, for wives. Go ahead. Mm.